Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The FT. First-time buyers are back, but is it good news or not? How advisors are using computer games to get you to engage with your investments? And property syndicates, should we all be clubbing together? I'm Elaine Moore, and while Jonathan Ely is away, I'll be giving you all the money news in downloadable form this week with the help of my FT colleagues Tanya Poli. Hello. Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hello. And our special studio guest, Tom Sheridan, Chief Executive of Seven Investment Management. Thank you. First up, first-time buyers. Between April and June this year, first-time buyers accounted for more than half of all home purchase loans taken out in London. London's property market is a frequent source of fascination, and this particular rise comes at a time when many people are paying close attention to the impact of the government's help-to-buy scheme. The scheme, if you remember, makes it easier for people to buy a home with just a 5% deposit. Tanya Poli has been looking at the rise in first-time buyers. Tanya, if we start with London, how significant is this rise? What's the the base it was starting from? Um, so basically, um, in the in the three months to June, we saw about 11,200 mortgages advanced to first-time buyers in, in the capital. And um, what the council mortgage lenders have said, that's actually the largest quarterly total since the end of um, 2007. So that's kind of a five and a half year high, which is quite substantial. Obviously, everyone's trying to kind of look at those kind of, you know, signs of recovery in the housing market. So I think a lot of people are saying that's a good sign that actually first time buyers are sort of coming back onto the market. They're not they're able to actually sort of, you know, afford their loans these days. Um, but what we need to remember, actually, when you look back at back sort of 2006, the peak of the market, we're still significantly below. So this is kind of like 40% below the, the normal transactions that were actually happening. And does this mean that there are more people taking out mortgages with very small deposits or not? Yes. Yeah, so what we've seen over the last um, year in the mortgage market is actually more lenders offering um, higher loan to value. So that's mortgages for borrowers with small deposits. So we're seeing a comeback of kind of 90% um, LTV loans, um, 80%, 85% are now quite common as well. So actually, um, and rates have actually fallen as well as a result of the government's funding for lending scheme, which we've talked about uh, quite a few times on this show. That's actually made um, mortgage rates a lot lower. So it's been more affordable for first time buyers to come onto the market. And obviously, we've also seen the help to buy, um, the first stage of the help to buy government scheme, um, which was in, launched in April and actually lets um, first time buyers um, come onto the market with just a 5% deposit if they buy a new build property. So this scheme has been the topic of enormous fascination in the FT for the last couple of weeks. I know that you've written on this quite a lot. What is the controversy with what's the problem that people have with it? I think the main concern is that it's actually going to push up um, prices further, which actually has... A 
a sort of negative impact on potential first-time buyers in the sense that actually, while the main aim of the scheme is to help first-time buyers come to the market, at the same time, if um, prices are rising further, it also puts um, house prices further out of the reach for other first-time buyers. Um, at the moment, I mean, it's it's too soon to say whether that's actually going to be the massive impact. We have seen house prices rise over the recent months, um, but not significantly. Most of the most of the rises are actually happening in London. Um, the main concern tends to be with this second part of the scheme that's due to launch in January. This is where um, the government will offer kind of a guarantee to lenders to basically insure them and allow them to offer 95% loan-to-value mortgages. And I think the main concern is actually, you know, you've got these stimulus going into the market, but there's no um, necessary, we're not actually seeing supply um, sort of increasing. So if there's no more houses coming onto the market, first-time buyers are going to be fighting just for the limited um, supply that's actually still there. So what really people want to see is actually more house building to help first-time buyers. And you mentioned the London prices. I know that we have to be very careful when we're talking about property prices in the UK because London is a, a weird special case. Is that right? It is. Um, there's obviously a lot of demand. Um, what we're also seeing is actually um, a lot of overseas investors buying in the sort of very expensive parts of London, which is also dry- having a big impact on prices. So a lot of the um, sort of the average annual house price growth we're seeing across the UK is really being sort of slanted um, because of the house prices that, house price prices we're seeing in London. Thanks very much, Tanya. You can read more about first-time buyers in this weekend's FT Money or online at www.ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, are investment syndicates the best way to invest in commercial property? But first, technology and your money. Last week, a technical breakdown on the second largest stock exchange in the US put a stop to trading for more than three hours. For some people, it brought back memories of last May when Facebook's Wall Street debut was delayed by more than half an hour as a result of a technology glitch. Technology is redefining financial services, which can sometimes mean chaos, but in many ways is making life more interesting for consumers. One wealth manager, for instance, has hired a computer game designer to make something that allows clients to play with their investments. Lucy Warwick-Ching has been delving into the bright new world of technology advancements in financial services. Lucy, can we start with that computer game design? What's going on there? So it's not actually a computer game for this app. I've got Tom here, so um, he's probably best placed to actually explain how it works. Um, So, Tom, over to you. Well, thanks very much to, to both of you. The designers of Seven Imagine, which is the app that we have, were from the video games world. And the reason that we hired them was to help people engage with their own money. Uh, Life is very different now for us than it was for our parents. Uh, Our parents, when they faced retirement, were probably looking at five years of retirement. They probably had a defined benefit plan. The government probably had a little bit more money. And now we find ourselves in a situation where we're going to live longer and nobody's going to take care of our money for us. So it might be nice if somebody looked at it. And that's what we hired these guys for, was to help us help our clients to help themselves and their own families. So what was the problem then? Was it the way that um, uh, this information was being presented? So so how have you managed to change that? We took a survey of about 40 different websites and apps for city businesses, if I can call them that, or financial services businesses. And it was remarkable when you put them all together. They were all way too much information. Uh, you really couldn't get immediately to what you wanted. Uh, They were squares and rectangles with lots of numbers in them and a pie chart. Always had to have the pie chart. Uh, So what 
we found was in our own client bank, we had a couple of professionals who had been very, very successful in the video games world looking at their own money through 7IM. And they came to us and they said, look, we have an idea on how to take all of that data that you have and turn it into useful information using pictures, things that are interactive, things that move, things that make noises, things that almost talk back to you and enables you to do it within two or three minutes. I had a play with the app because I was writing this piece and um, I, uh, you mentioned noises and I think actually the noises are the fun bit really. You know, it's kind of showing you your portfolio. It's very simple to use. And what I quite liked about it is the fact that it didn't take very long to see how much money you've got, say, in your investments. Because I think the thing I've always been put off by is these kind of you know very thick corporate um, reports telling you how much money you've got or how much your investments have gone up and down and I know a lot of people don't really like reading those things they're not going to um, delve into the detail so they just want kind of quite simple um, as you say pictures depicting how much they're worth but so at the moment you can't actually you can you can see how much money you've got in your seven investment management uh, portfolio but you can't see how much you're worth on one day. Is that something that's going to come in the future? You can see how much you have with 7IM, whether right. it's invested in 7IM investments or anybody else's investments, because our platform can handle anybody's in the world. However, if your investments are not on the 7IM platform, you're exactly right. And what we've done is we've produced the first installment on what will be a series of improvements. Certainly one of the things that people are asking for is, wow, this is great. Can I see the rest of my money? So we will evolve into family balance sheets, family P&Ls, all those disciplines that you have in a business, and unfortunately none of us have them at home. Why don't we bring them to life in a nice customer-friendly app? And um, some some other people I've been speaking to for this piece, Scorpio Partnership, I mean, they were talking to me about how um, the big change in the last few years has really been the fact that people are looking at things on different apps. So they've got their iPad or they may have their iPhone. Um, do you think this financial services companies need to kind of adapt to that? Uh, absolutely. The way that we look at information, the way we receive information, uh, it has changed dramatically and will continue to change dramatically over the next X number of years. Uh, we already have uh, the iPad and the iPhone. Android uh, smartphones will be launching within the week. Uh, thereafter, I expect we're going to wind up in the smart TV world. Uh, we'll wind up eventually with voice command. We'll wind up with being able to transact. Uh, the seed that we have planted here is just that. It is just the first installment on, on what will be able to adapt to what we don't yet know in how we get information. I have a question. Do you think that investors are worried about the safety of their portfolios? This idea of putting everything onto onto one little portal and bringing everything together, uh, would that not worry some people? Uh, we have gone through all of the uh, encryption requirements that we normally do with our platform in addition to your personal passwords, and there are two of those. Uh, and there is um, very little ability for somebody to be able to gain access to your information. Uh, the danger, I suppose, is the devices themselves. So uh, we have had a number of concerns that tablets maybe are not the most secure devices in the world, so that even though somebody might be able to get access to your tablet, um, then to get through 
into the app requires the personal knowledge that only you will have. So it should be safe. It's a very interesting area. Thank you so much, Lucy and Tom. You can read Lucy Warwick Ching's cover piece on technology and financial services in this weekend's FT Money or via the FT's tablet apps on Kindle and online at ft.com forward slash money. If you have any thoughts about this article, then do let us know. Email us at money at ft.com. And finally today, investment clubs. Property syndicates that allow investors to join up and invest in commercial property fell out of favour in the economic downturn as property values fell. Now they're back, but who is using them and why? Tanya Poli has been looking at investors who pool their money this week. Tanya, can you just give us a quick explanation of exactly what these syndicates are and how they work? It's basically what it sounds like, really. It's um, commercial property syndicates are a type of investment that allows people to invest directly in real estate through a scheme that brings together a number of other investors. So it's kind of essentially pooling your money to be able to purchase a sort of maybe a higher valued um, property than you would actually normally be able to buy on your own. Um, these kind of have always been around. They've been around for the last sort of 20, 30 years. But um, they kind of fell back in popularity, obviously, when commercial property values um, dipped, uh, well, plummeted, some might say, because um, values fell by about sort of 40% on average um, during the downturn. So, But they're actually coming back slightly at the moment because of this kind of um, turnaround in fortunes in the commercial property market we're seeing. And so do I need to know the other people that I'm pooling my money with or where am I finding them? Not necessarily. So basically, a lot of um, sort of chartered surveyors and private banks will operate these schemes. So what they have is they have a list of registered investors um, who are interested in buying a commercial property. Um, they will go out and buy a property and then they will market that property to their investors, um, giving them the option whether they want to join into the scheme or not. Um, basically, they will um, they will break down that property purchase price into a number of shares and then give then basically investors have the option to choose how many shares they want to buy and um, you know for how much for. And what sort of properties are we talking about? You said there is, it tend to be more expensive than the sorts of things that individual investors go for. It varies. Um, some schemes will sort of operate for kind of um, people who don't need to, who, do, who don't have that much money but it does typically tend to be more for kind of the sophisticated investor that has sort of people with quite a lot of money so you need kind of tens of thousands of pounds and um, the type of properties that people can uh, these schemes buy can be sort of multi-million pounds um, I was talking to HSBC private bank and they were saying to me that last year they bought um, Broadgate West which is a office in the city of London for and I think that was about sort of 290 million pounds so that's obviously quite a trophy asset um, and there's a number of other properties they've bought in sort of you know New York and that type of thing which have been kind of that sort of high end uh, but it doesn't always have to be the case. So it's a good way to get into properties that you couldn't get into by yourself. What about the downsides? How do you sell out if you no longer want to hold this investment anymore? Well, that's the thing. Um, obviously, commercial property is like all property um, assets is liquid. It's quite hard to actually sort of, um, you know, um, exit the the asset class. But basically, um, you know, with these schemes, you can sort of obviously offer to sort of sell your shares, but there has to be other buyers willing to purchase those shares. So that's what you always have to um, factor in. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is the cost of um, entering one of these schemes. Obviously, you've got the things like the initial property costs and you've got the ongoing annual management charge. Um, and these tend to be much higher than it would be with a traditional bricks and mortar fund or investment trust. So it can be quite an expensive way in. Are there any other... Um, 
um, ways into commercial property that you've been looking at that might be an alternative or a better alternative? If you want maybe a more diversified approach and you have less money than uh, sort of the traditional bricks and mortar fund and or investment trust would be better. I mean, you don't have to put in that much money. Um, and again, it kind of you get access to a broader range of um, port properties that the, um, the fund manager is um, sort of managing for you. So that kind of almost has less risk. You're not kind of putting a lot of money into one um, one one property. Um, so I think a lot of people might prefer that as an option. Diversification. We like diversification. Thank you very much, Tanya. You can read more about commercial property investment syndicates in this weekend's FT Money. That's all that we have time for this week, but you can read all of these stories and more in this week's FT Money section or online at ft.com forward slash money. And if you'd like to tell us your views on technology, first-time buyers or investment clubs or anything else, or if you just have a question that you'd like us to answer, then email us, money at ft.com. Until next week, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Lucy, Tanya and our special studio guest, Tom Sheridan, Chief Executive of Seven Investment Management. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.